Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me today, as always, are my friends and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And lads, let's just get right to it. Uh, we have four Champions League quarterfinals to talk about, a relegation six-pointer in the Premier League on Wednesday, and we'll also go through some Europa League before giving our, our best bets and then getting out of here. But we will start uh, with one of those quarterfinals. We'll start with Man City. They're minus 270 at home, hosting Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid. They're 8-1 to one on the money line. The draw is 4-1. to one. Man City is minus 375 to advance at Letty, plus 285. Real quick, we'll just go, I just want to go through the odds for the whole uh, tournament right now. City's plus 190, Liverpool right behind them, plus 200, Bayern 3-1, to one. Chelsea 4-1, to one. Real Madrid 14-1, to one. Atletico Madrid 25-1, to one. Villarreal 80-1, to one. Benfica 150-1, to one, the biggest long shot still left. With City and Atleti, like, we, we've talked about this a little bit with Diego Simeone's side. They're really tough to deal with in knockout tournaments because I think they're an outlier team. They're not the type of team that you can really just trust the numbers because they will put in some incredible performances defensively and just nick games. They have shown throughout Simeone's tenure, the uh, Wander Metropolitano that they can, they can just do that. They can upset any team on any given night. So that makes me a little nervous to back city in any way here, but it does feel like this is going to be a pretty tight uh, contest. BJ, two of the best defensive sides in Europe. Is this as simple as just looking towards the under? I think so, yeah. So both sides are average, are allowing under 0.9 expected goals per match domestically this season, which is top four in Europe's top five leagues. So automatically that points me to an under because, I mean, what's going to – I mean, the pace of this game is going to be incredibly slow because as we've talked about many, many times, City is back to their just pragmatic, slow build-up style of play. They're averaging 68% possession in the Premier League, and they actually have the lowest sequence time and direct speed of anybody in Europe's top five leagues. So they are truly just holding the ball in the opponent's final third and just looking to break them down and with a bunch of build-up play. That's fine with Atletico. They're just going to sit back in two low blocks of four. They're going to stay structured, and Man City's not really the type of team that can exploit them because if you play that slow and you allow a solid defensive team like Atletico to get back into position very easily, then it's going to be hard to break them down. Um, my guess is Atletico will probably play very, very cautious with it being the first leg and with it being at the Etihad. I mean, total, total for the season, Atletico has only allowed 22 big scoring chances in 30 La Liga matches. And they only allowed one big scoring chance over the two legs against United and really was very dominant in both meetings. So, with Atletico just playing very cautious against the Manchester City team that 
is going to have to beat them with a ton of low quality chances. I think this is just setting up for a perfect under type here. So under two and a half goals at plus 110. Uh, I only have 2.3 goals projected. So uh, I like that price under two and a half goals. Yeah. I also like the angle of if City gets ahead in the first 30 minutes or so, they're backing another uh, a live under two because Atletico has a lot of uh, cause to, to play cautiously through to just keep the goal differential intact going back to um, Spain for the second leg. So I think it's just, you've got to look at unders. I don't mind to play them the draw at four to one city. They play such a, like a, a slow buildup style. They pass the ball. They'll think the ball uh, tiki taka around um, for what's seemingly 20, 30 minutes at a time. And I think that kind of plays into Atletico's hands a little bit because they're not going to try to press to get the ball back and then make a mistake and have Kevin De Bruyne put a perfect ball behind them either. So yeah, I like the unders. I think the draw is interesting. Anthony, anything for you, City and Atleti? Yeah, I mean, City allowing 0.66 expected goals per 90 in the Prem this year. Atletico Madrid, 0.9 expected goals per 90 in Spain. The one thing that, that kind of gives me, Paul, I wish this game were at Atleti in the first leg, and I would love the under at 2.5 at plus 110. I do project 2.55 goals, so a little more than BJ, but still enough to the point where at plus money, I don't hate the under. 2.5 at all. So it is a lean for me. Not sure that I'll play it yet. I think stylistically, you guys pretty much nailed on what I expect, but city may have to be a little more aggressive given that they are the home team. A draw is not quite good enough for them. So you could see a more aggressive uh, situation from them, especially as we get later on in the match. So maybe a first half under one isn't a bad idea. I don't really see this being open in the beginning, more likely to get zero than two goals, even though that pushes more often than not. Uh, so that would be where I would lean, uh, but overall, no play for me on this match. Yeah, and it, it's an interesting scheduling spot for City and the team we'll talk about next. It's um, Liverpool, they're minus 265, traveling to Portugal to take on Benfica, who are plus 750. The draw here is plus 425 on the three-way money line. Two advanced, Benfica's plus 920, Liverpool minus 2,000. City and Liverpool play a week from Sunday, which is uh, the day we're recording this, April 10th. They'll play in a huge match, obviously, in the Premier League. Um, to see who goes to the top of the table for the run-in. So it's it's just a very strange scheduling spot for both of these teams because there's a lot of pressure on City to win the Champions League. They haven't done it under Pep, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on them at home. Whereas Liverpool, they caught a real big break with the draw going to Benfica, a team that was pretty lucky to get out of the round of 16 against Ajax. They earned that 2-2 draw in the first leg, and then were very lucky to win 1-0 in the second leg. So getting uh, with with the city match coming and, and there not being all that I don't think all that much pressure on Liverpool uh, to get through this one with like a huge result because it's on the road they they'll trust themselves back at Anfield uh, to get the job done against Benfica if it's you know one one going back or even one nil uh, to either side I think that there's a little bit of value backing Benfica across different markets like getting eight seven plus seven fifty on a home underdog in a Champions League. Uh, quarterfinal that's just really tempting to me and we've, we've talked about it Liverpool's due for some defensive regression their expected goals numbers and their actual goals numbers are off so um I'll probably be on Benfica I mean Liverpool beats me every week so I wouldn't blame anyone for just not giving me two cents on this one but uh that's where I'm looking at least Anthony Liverpool Benfica what are your thoughts? Yeah I'll, I'll agree I'll agree a little bit with a lean toward Benfica plus one and a half uh, I think you mentioned the, the defensive regression, uh, two chances for Watford, one-on-one with the goalie both times. Good save from Allison, and then just a terrible, terrible miss. Uh, another loss at 7.30 a.m. for me. I think I'm now up to 20% hit rate on those bets at 7.30 a.m. I probably should just sleep in. But It's a funny this thing with Liverpool. I, want to, I just want to say, like, it feels like when you know how when, when there's a scoring chance coming, you can kind of it flashes in your head, and you're either really, really confident that someone's going to score, like you can see it going in, for some reason with Liverpool, when someone's coming down on Allison, I'm just like, this is either going off the bar over the net or Allison's going to get a paw on it. Uh, and I see it and it always comes to fruition. Anyway, that's an aside. Well, I think you're probably still scarred from watching that League Cup final against Chelsea. But, <laughs> you know, when you look at this Liverpool team, they weren't great in the Watford match. I thought they kind of lacked the typical... Liverpool press. They weren't quite winning every 50-50 like they normally do. They weren't dominating the possession. There was a late penalty that kind of inflated the expected goals. And they were the better side, but it was really like a 0.8 to 0.6 kind of game. 
until you get that late penalty. So they weren't that much better than Wofford at home. Now, this is, of course, that was a bad spot. They just had to grind out the win. Now they're on the road in the Champions League. But you mentioned it. I don't know that this is a great matchup for Liverpool necessarily either. Uh, Benfica showed themselves pretty well, uh, I thought, at home uh, against Ajax. I understand they got pummeled on XG, but a lot of those Ajax chances were blocked. There was some great defending uh, and and I know Benfica overall was lucky. I actually hit the post once and they missed one really bad sitter. But the ability for Liverpool to get margin away from home, we've seen that in the Champions League in, in past years. It hasn't been one of the strengths of this team. So, you know, they would take a one goal win. Uh, I do think I lean toward Benfica. But again, the number is pretty close on to what I have, actually. So I'm not playing it. Yes, I think it's going to come down to if we see that typical Liverpool steam. Um before this match. And if it does yeah, get, if we get a hand. two, that's, that's, that's going to be a play, but I don't think we'll see that maybe one in three quarters. I would be interested. Uh, BJ, anything for you between. Yeah, I, I definitely lean towards Benefica. I have Liverpool around minus minus one eighty, So they are overvalued here on the road. And obviously it's the champions league. It's champions League quarterfinals. I understand that, but you, you have to imagine one eye is on the weekend against man city. I mean, you just have to. Uh, so could we get a sleepy Liverpool team in Portugal? Yeah, sure we could. And the interesting thing about Benfica, you know, the XG against Ajax, I know if you watch the match, you're like, oh my gosh, Ajax just completely dominated, which they did. But the final XG against Ajax, they only, over the aggregate, only was plus 0.3. It was 2, two to 1.7 in the first leg and 0.4 to 1 in the second leg. So not really that dominant. And if you go through all of their Champions League results and you remove Bayern Munich, which obviously why would you do that for Liverpool? But just, you know, for the sake of the argument, you know, if you remove Bayern Munich, plus 0.8 expected goal differential in every other Champions League match in, in total. So it's one of those situations where is Benfica going to sit back in a 4-4-2 and just kind of see this, try to see this out defensively and look to counter like they did against Ajax? Probably. Will they able to do it, be able to do it against Liverpool? Like I'd say maybe. I mean, with the defensive regression you guys mentioned, it's possible, but Definitely leaning towards Benefica at minus 120, but uh, I'll be honest, uh, Man City thrashing uh, Sporting Lisbon in Portugal five or in 5 nothing, uh has me scarred trying to bet these Portuguese teams against English teams. So uh, I will ultimately be passing, but if the number gets good enough, like plus one and a half at even money, I might have to fire on Benefica. I'll be, I'll be rooting for a City blowout and a Liverpool loss so we can get the best possible number little look ahead to what I may be betting on Sunday. I'm going to be disagreeing with you, I think. All right. Uh, let's talk about mm-hmm. Wednesday's games now. Uh, Via Real, they're plus 450. The Yellow Submarine are hosting Bayern Munich, minus 170 on the road. The draw is plus 330. Bayern minus 1,200 to advance. Via Real coming back plus 680. After a great run of form from the Yellow Submarine, they've lost three from four with just one goal scored. In La Liga, and the XG numbers aren't uh, that kind either. It was a, a dip in defensive form for them after a really impressive two-leg showing against Juventus. And maybe it was just like a little bit of a letdown. They're not really in much of a race in uh, La Liga. But just that kind of dip, in, uh, especially on defense, is, is not good when you're considering who their opponent is coming to town. Bayern with 16 goals in their last four matches in uh, the Bundesliga Still, I mean, the num- it's just the numbers, right? It's got to be Villarreal or nothing, right, BJ? Yeah, uh, I mean, Byron is overvalued here on the road. Now, you mentioned it, Villarreal has not been in good form, uh, but they have the same stylistic play that, get, that Salzburg had, which gave Bayern Munich a lot of trouble in the first leg away from home, except Villarreal had definitely has more attacking talent than Salzburg. Now, Villarreal... They completely dominated Juventus over the two legs. Expected goals was 3.4 to 1.6 on aggregate. Now, this is a massive step up in competition. And there is a, definitely a scenario where Bayern just completely blows them out of the water and we look really stupid. But that's fine. I don't mind looking stupid. Bayern themselves, though, I, you could say the last few matches have been good, but there's been some questionable results. As of late, the loss to Bochum comes to mind, drawing with Salzburg on the road, and then drawing with Leverkusen at home where they lost the XG battle. And, you know, if you're going to give Bayern problems, you got to be able to play through their high press and you got to be able to press them back effectively, which VRL is capable of doing. I mean, Unai Emery side is third in passes per defensive action in Spain and fourth in offensive passes per defensive action. They're also, they also did a fantastic job against Juventus at preventing them from getting inside the penalty area. Only 31 touches in the 18 yard box over the two legs, which is also something 
you really have to prevent Byron from doing because they're averaging around 41 touches in the penalty area in the Bundesliga this year. So, uh, I mean, even so, I Virial is a tad undervalued here. Uh, I mean, I have Byron as an even money favorite on the road in Spain because you know by UEFA coefficient, Spain is 21 points higher in the rankings than the Bundesliga. Uh, just because the competition is a lot better. Spanish teams make it deeper in these type of European competitions. So uh, Villarreal plus one at minus 110, I do believe has some value. And I think they'll be able to get uh, a result here at home in the first leg. Anthony, we, we, we sung this team's praises Villarreal before the Juventus tie. We looked good for, for that one. They advance. They're still alive. Maybe they're within a shot of cashing the miracle ticket for us. But it does feel a little different against Bayern here. Um, but you're still saying that you're with me and BJ, right? I am. Uh, you know, funny story, our editor, Jeremy Pond, our soccer editor, uh, he asked me which game I want. And I told him right off the jump, I said, I want Bayern v. Real. I'll have the preview for this game on the Action Network. And he said, I don't even think I need to ask. I know what side you're on. And I said, yep, you guessed it. The Yellow Submarine. Uh, I'm on them plus one here. I don't hate a shot to advance. I think there's a path where everything goes really wrong for Bayern. And if it were to happen, I think Villarreal does fit the profile of a team who could cause that. Of course, the number is steep. I think they're plus 460 last time I checked to advance. But Bayern struggles with teams, and BJ mentioned this, who can cause high turnovers. And then what happens is they get caught very much open at the back, and it becomes a counterattack party. It's not that different from what happened to United when they played Villarreal earlier this year. Obviously, Bayern is a lot better. They don't have quite those issues, but the stylistic issue of if you press this team high and can win it high, you can have a lot of success. That's very real. And I do expect Villarreal to very much park the bus on the road, but I don't think they're going to do that in this leg at home. They can't really given those situations. Uh, So Byron, they did get Goretzka back, which I think is a pretty big development. And I think that'll be really interesting to monitor how their defense looks. I didn't get a chance to watch the Freiburg match, but I think that, you know, I, I may be watching that closely watch how they look out of possession when they lose it. And if Goretzka is helping Kimmich prevent them from getting run right up the, up the middle of the pitch there. So that's one interesting angle. The other angle from, from a numerical stand, standpoint, I don't hate the both teams to score over two and a half, but I do think Villarreal will get on the board. And if you're worried about Byron running away with this, I do think uh, you know, that, that's even like a small hedge off of it because since January 1st, Villarreal has 1.69 expected goals uh, per 90 in Spain. They've only scored about 1.2. They've also only scored one goal in their last four matches. I think the total is a little low here. And the defense has been pretty lucky too. That's the one thing here. You know, they've they've conceded about 1.2 expected goals per 90. And they've managed to only concede about 0.8 off of that. So their defense has been running a bit hot. Kind of saw that in the Juve second leg. Juve probably deserved a goal there. Uh, But overall... Villarreal coming into this in terrible form. I don't really mind that because it's it's four games where they have one goal and they have three losses. Whereas, uh, you know, in, the, in between that, they also did smash Juventus. So I'm not too worried about the dip in form. I think I might end up playing some both teams to score an over two and a half as well, but I'm on Villarreal plus one as my uh, best bet for this game. There are three teams from England, three teams from Spain in the quarterfinals and We'll wrap up with a team from England, Chelsea. They're plus 115 at home, hosting Real Madrid, plus 250. The draw here is plus 245 to advance. Chelsea, minus 134. Madrid, plus 108 at the moment. This is uh, the only, or I should say, this is clearly the the toughest one to call. Bookmakers are, are, are telling us that. It's nearly a coin flip. But I do think that there is uh, some value here. And surprisingly... Um, when, when this draw got announced, I was thinking that I'm going to be all over Real Madrid. I thought Chelsea would be inflated because they were getting results. and But they've steadied the ship, and they had one blip here. And it, it was yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. And it was yesterday again on Saturday against Brentford. And I was kind of happy it happened because that they shipped four goals to Brentford after a really good run of defensive play. And we're getting a little bit of a better number now on the blues at home. Plus plus one fifteen. I'm all over it. Real Madrid. They've been beating teams in La Liga that they should beat, but they got run off the park by Barcelona. They deserved, I think you can say they deserved to beat PSG. They weren't that good. They were definitely not at the races in the first leg. And then they showed up in the second half and kind of did what Real Madrid has been famous for doing, which is 
hanging around, getting a couple moments of magic and being clinical. And that's what they do. They, they went three, one against uh, PSG. I just don't think Chelsea is the type of team that will allow them to keep, they, they just won't keep the door open. Thomas Tuchel is uh, not going to let Real Madrid hang around. And if he does, the defense should be tighter. So I'm on Chelsea plus 115 here. And I like them a little bit, I think, to advance. I'd much rather play the plus 115 though. BJ, what about you? Yeah, I'm with you on Chelsea. So I'm very interested to see what Real Madrid is going to do here because the first leg against PSG where they just basically said, you know what, we're just going to sit back and play two low blocks and just look to see if we can hit PSG on the counter. It did not work at all. And they really should have conceded more than one goal. Uh, I mean, in that, I mean, they were so sloppy in transition offense and that they couldn't get anything going. They got smothered by PSG's high press. So what do you think Chelsea's going to do if they decide to do that? I mean, Chelsea is going to smother them. They're going to keep them in the final third. Now, I understand a lot has changed over a year. Real Madrid has a new manager, but these two teams did meet in semifinals last year, and Chelsea just absolutely demolished Real Madrid. 4.3 expected goals to 0.6 over the two legs. The second leg at Stamford Bridge was especially a big disaster for Real Madrid. Chelsea put up around three expected goals. Uh, Real Madrid only had seven shots, seven touches in the penalty area. It's if something like that happens again, which is entirely possible because what we saw from what we saw with Barcelona uh, against Real Madrid, they can be thrashed by, by especially a really good team, which PSG also did to them in the first leg. So um, another big thing for Chelsea, they're getting Reese James back in the lineup, which is massive for Tuchel's three, four, two, one system, having a wing back that has his type of pace and able to progress the ball up the pitch is huge for them. From a projection standpoint, what's funny is if you look at these te- both these teams' actual goal differential and expected goal differential, they're actually pretty much even. They're both around plus 35 actual and plus 21 expected. So if you give Chelsea the bump for uh, UEFA coefficients for England being better than Spain, plus the home field advantage, I do believe that you're getting a little bit of value here on the Blues at home uh, to win the first leg. So I have them projected at minus 122. Uh, so at plus 115, I think that has some good value uh, here in the first leg at Stamford Bridge. I think the the strategy here from Real Madrid is, is going to be apparent right away. Carlo Ancelotti is, for a lot of things, he's, he's a pragmatist, and he's someone who, who has no problem kind of like playing the long game. We saw that. We've seen that at a lot of his stops, and I wouldn't be surprised if his plan is, like we just said, let's stick in this tie as long as we can get it back to the burnabout and try to take care of business there. But I just, I just don't think that really profiles as a decent strategy against uh, this Chelsea team. So that's where I'm going. Uh, Anthony three for three on the blues. Yeah. When's the last time I bet Chelsea? Yeah. I mean, that's where I, was, I genuinely was when I saw this draw come out, I was like, okay, I think the two and I was like, Anthony and I will probably be on Real Madrid BJ. I don't know, but I mean, it's moved since the Brentford match. I mean, uh, me and Anthony, we, talked, we talked. We talked last uh, Sunday, I believe, and we were like, "Oh, Chelsea's." I think they were either even money or plus one hundred five. Yeah, I have a. Talked. I have a plus plus one hundred seven. Is what I have. Plus one hundred seven. So yeah, and they've yeah. and since the Brentford match, they've moved to plus yeah. one fifteen. So with every goal of that Brentford match, was for, all I was thinking <laughs> was like, "All right, more, 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 more." Yep. Um, so a good situation for for the value hunters out there. Yeah, I just looked. I have I have not bet Chelsea since the. Juventus match that they played at home in the Champions League. And I know BJ was also over that. That was one of his games of the year. Um, and I think this is a similar situation, actually. First, before I get to that, football is kind of poetic in a way, soccer. Last year, April 3rd, so that was almost a year to the date, Chelsea played against West Brom. Remember, they were on that absurd defensive right. run. Mm-hmm. They lost 5-2. 5-2. Everyone yeah. was like, Chelsea's broken. They're done. Uh, they're, they're finished. And then what happened, you know, three days later, they went to Porto and, and, and thrashed them 2-0 in the Champions League and then went on to win said league uh, later on that year. It's one game. And we talked about this. Brentford dominated them the first leg, dominated them the second time they played them as well. There were some great goals from the Bees, without a doubt. They played extremely well. I think that was more a credit to Brentford than anything else, who finally took their chances in a game against a big side where they were brave and they deserved and, and it was a sleepy outplayed spot. them. Sleepy and spot it was. for Chelsea Again, too, right? Coming very back from an international spot. break with this coming up on a couple of days later. A lot of excuses to be made for, I think, this Brentford match. And they played it back four, which you know people on Twitter were bantering Antonio Rudiger for after the game, saying he's a back three merchant. 
Uh, he's not that great of a center back. You know, I think people are just, a, there's a little bit of an overreaction in the market here. The, the line for them to advance dropped from minus 125 to minus 115. I'm glad I didn't bet that one yet because I would have got a bad number there too. Uh, I'm on Chelsea, both money line in this game, and I have more on, or will have more on, the minus 115 to advance. Real Madrid has now played their last four games against really good opponents who are some of the better teams across Europe, right? Real Madrid played PSG in the first leg. We all watch it. They got embarrassed. They should have lost that game by multiple goals. XG was 2.6 to 0.3. They played the second leg. And I know they had this absurd comeback and they scored three goals and everybody was like, oh, classic vintage Real Madrid. But that just felt more like a collapse. I mean, the first half, PSG had two goals disallowed that were very razor thin. I mean, we're talking very fine margins from an embarrassing defeat at the Bernabeu for for Real Madrid where PSG could have been up two or three goals very easily. And then what happens? Benzema has a great moment. PSG's back line, Donnarumma falls apart. They're just passing the ball to Real Madrid. I don't expect Chelsea to make those kind of defensive mistakes. And BJ mentioned it, 4.3 to 0.6. What's changed since then? Chelsea's a very similar team. I think they're a little worse, uh, not quite playing with the, uh, the same level of defensive solidity. They're a little bit weaker defensively. But overall, they're pretty similar. And Real Madrid, I think, might be worse. Uh, I understand Real Madrid is going to win La Liga, but they got embarrassed, trucked by Barca. That was an awful loss. Uh, And then you even go back to their group stage. They weren't that good in that either. I mean, they got outplayed by Inter Milan badly in the first leg of that match. And then they were pretty mediocre in the second leg. They did win it, but uh, it was uh, Inter controlled the game once again. So this Real Madrid team has not really shined against quality opponents in a long time, besides a 15 minute stretch against PSG that PSG collapsed. And we can even go back to the last two games they played in La Liga. They conceded 1.4 XG to Mallorca. Mallorca is one of the worst attacks in the league. And then they play Celta Vigo. They get three penalties in the game that accounts for two and two and a half of their 2.9 expected goals. And they otherwise get pretty well outplayed by, by Vigo. So I really I was hoping to fade both Chelsea and Real Madrid in this leg and this, in this quarterfinal round, but there's differing levels to how much each team I think is a little overvalued in the market and Real Madrid. There are some very scary signs here and I've been pretty much hammer fading them the last month and a half. So I'm going to keep doing it. So I'm, I'm Ryan with Chelsea. Yeah. Just to put your point about last year. So Real Madrid this year around a plus 7.1 XG differential per 90 minutes last season in La Liga. 0.66. So they're basically close to similar to the exact same team in terms of their underlying metrics. They've just drastically overperformed this season. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's Benzema, right? Benzema has been yep. incredible. And everybody's going to say Benzema, Benzema, Benzema. Benzema played both legs. He had a great goal in the first one uh, last year. And then the second, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's one player. I'm not going to let one player who can score a goal or two change what is a much better Chelsea team. If you can't, get any shots off like you did against right. against PSG, then it doesn't matter who you have up top. Yeah, and I just and, and, don't see Chelsea making those same mistakes that, Rhea, that PSG did. That was a collapse. Right. And uh, if he does beat you on his own, you tip your cap and you bet against yeah. him. Uh, fade him in the semis. I mean, yeah. We'll see who they get. <laughs> right. All right. They get uh, to the semis. I mean, again, it's like last year, right? They got an overrated Liverpool team who was kind of struggling uh, and who didn't really match up well because of their issues and how much they pressed getting beaten behind. I don't see that happening here in this quarterfinal. All right, let's let's stay in Europe uh, before we get to the uh, relegation six-pointer on Wednesday and, and go through Europa League real quick. Uh, there is a clear headliner there. It's uh, RB Leipzig and Atalanta. It's Thursday, 12.45 kickoff. Uh, BJ, Anthony, both on the same side here. We'll start with Anthony. Uh, talk about why you like Ladia. Yeah, big win for Leipzig on the weekend. Um, dominated Dortmund on the counter. I thought they were pretty impressive, uh, but it kind of it kind of highlights a, a, a statistic that I was looking at prior to the match that almost kept me off Leipzig. And then uh, and, and something that I'm now a little concerned with them is that they're just running ridiculously hot under Tedesco. And I understand the new manager bump and, you know, they're not as open at the back. They are better defensively marginally. They're conceding a little bit less in terms of big scoring chances. But they are now plus 0.4 XG difference per 90 since January 1st at even strength in the Bundesliga. But their actual goal difference per 90 is plus 1.3. 
So, and you look at the defensive numbers too. They, they are overdue to concede a little bit. Buying low in Atlanta. I mean, this team was overperforming a lot the last few years and they, they've definitely regressed down to kind of the Europa League places in Italy, but they have just recently dominated Leverkusen. And that game wasn't, neither of those legs were really competitive. Uh, Atalanta dominant in the first leg and then pretty much just sat there and let Leverkusen try to beat them and they couldn't in the second leg and then they got a late goal to counter. I was all over Atalanta in the first matchup against the Bundesliga side. I'm grabbing them again here. Leipzig's defense against Sociedad showed some weaknesses earlier in this competition in the round of 32. So I'm taking Atalanta plus a half. I show a little bit of value on them too, which is the main reason I'm betting them here. Uh, I do only have Leipzig projected at plus 125. So at minus 115, I'm going to take Atalanta to get a point or get a draw at least and then take it home. And then we'll see what the number is in the second leg. Uh, BJ, you're sticking with Ladia as well. Yeah, I mean, Anthony mentioned it, just Leipzig just running ridiculously hot. They're on a nine-match unbeaten streak. Uh, in those nine matches, they have scored 26 goals off of 13.4 expected goals. I mean, it's insane how hot they've been running. And, you know, Anthony mentioned this is a perfect sell-high or buy-low sell-high spot. Adelante just lost 3-1 this past weekend to Napoli, but they were actually pretty unlucky to to lose that. They were pretty – expected goals is pretty even. They outshot Napoli 19-6. to So – could get some positive regression coming back here for Adelante. And the stylistically, Adelante presents a lot of problems, I think, for RB Leipzig because if you're going to beat RB Leipzig, first off, you have to be able to effectively play through pressure and then press them back. That's basically how you beat German teams. Yep, it's you got to be able to handle the press, play through it. Adelante checks both those boxes there. Second in passes per defensive action, Italy. Fifth in offensive passes per defensive action. And secondly, you got to be able to prevent and create big scoring chances against Leipzig. Atalanta can do both of those. They're averaging around 1.4 big scoring chances per match, allowing under one per match. And additionally, these two teams are essentially dead even uh, in, in terms of expected goal differential for the, for the year. Leipzig plus 0. 0.6 uh, XG differential per 90. Atalanta plus 0. 0.53. And when you take into account per UEFA coefficients that Italy and Germany are essentially even in terms of uh, league strength that this Leipzig team is it maybe is a little tad overvalued here at home. So I agree with Anthony. I have Leipzig at plus 147. So um, I do love the value on Atalanta plus half a goal at minus 105. All right, real quick, right back to you, BJ. Any other Europa League ones you want to talk about? Yeah, how about we just ride, keep riding the Barcelona train? Minus 140 on the road against Frankfurt. I mean, I could go into detail uh, about all the things that Xavi has, has done to improve, but I mean, plus 1.67 XG differential per 90 minutes under Xavi. That is elite in Europe. That is one of the best, uh, I believe, during that whole entire time frame. Le- since February 17th, Barcelona, 24 expected goals for 5.8 against. And they've been playing, some, they haven't been playing cupcakes in that run either. That's two matches against Napoli, a match against Real Madrid, Atletico Bilbao, and then Sevilla this past weekend. Frankfurt, they've overperformed ta- a tad this season, plus one actual goal differential, uh, but a minus 5.1 expected goal differential. But they have really struggled versus the top four teams in Germany. Minus 8.4 expected goal differential in seven matches versus Bayern Munich, Dortmund, RB Leipzig, and Leverkusen. So I have Barcelona projected at minus 179 on the road in Frankfurt. So uh, at minus 140 to win the first leg in Germany, uh, I think there's some value on Xavi's boys to continue staying red hot. All right, Anthony, uh, what about you? Crazy enough, Frankfurt actually beat Bayern and drew Leipzig twice, I think. So they've been... And then had a 2-0 lead against Dortmund that they they threw away. So that's they've been a very interesting team. Uh, bad favorite, for sure. Uh, I, I lean toward Barca as well. Uh, I just think the number's a little bit expensive on the road. Uh, I only make it minus 120, so I, I didn't play that. But I did play uh, some Lyon plus a half. Uh, going against this West Ham team, this will be the first time of multiple times in the next month I'm going against West Ham. Been looking for the spot. I, you know, we'll talk about Everton in a second. It's kind of a good segue. I was not impressed by West Ham's performance today. I thought they were very mediocre. They only had seven shots in like the first 70 minutes. And then one defensive breakdown from Everton leads to the winning goal. And then the red card happens. The game is over. But overall, I thought Everton played relatively even with West Ham. And you can see the free kick goal. This, this attack just is not producing at the level that I would expect it to produce 
to overcome their defensive general defensive deficiencies they do have when you compare them to you know the rest of the top six in England. So Lyon has played a lot better in the last two months. And Dombele has been a, a welcome addition to the side. And I think they've been more solid in the midfield with him. Uh, they've replaced Guimaraes really well. So I, I'm buying this Lyon team now. And I, I faded them last round against Porto and they, they, they got through. But uh, I, I do think uh, I'm going to buy in here at plus a half, at least in the first leg. I don't really like Lyon as a favorite if they're at home. But as a dog to get a draw here, I, I think they're a good, good value. All right. Now for the moment, the moment we've all, all been waiting, been waiting hey, for. Hey, before you start, Michael, uh, if anybody's out there sitting at their desk or if they're like debating whether they need to go to the bathroom, do it now um, because you're going to be locked. You're going to need to be locked in for the next thirty to forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, the this moment everyone's longest, been waiting for. Yeah, I don't have a ton on this match actually, which is kind of funny. The no, narratives. This is electric. this is like a therapy session. We got to talk to Michael off the ledge. Wednesday afternoon. Uh, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, I believe it is. Burnley at home, plus 160, hosting Everton, plus 195. The draw is plus 220. As big a relegation six-pointer as they will be probably this season, let's go through the odds right now. Everton's plus 185 to be relegated. Burnley, minus 200. Everton in 17th place, so the final safe spot in the uh, table right now, 25 points from 28 games played. Right below them is Watford. They're minus 650 to be relegated because they have played more games than both Burnley, two more games than both Burnley and uh, Everton. They're 22 points from 30, so three back of Everton. Burnley, 21 uh, points from 28 played, four points back of Everton, a chance to claw themselves within one, and they have a much easier schedule uh, down the stretch than the Toffees do. Not even worth getting into Norwich anymore. So those are the stakes. Um, You can't really look too much into Burnley's match. Over the weekend, they played Man City. They lost to Man City. They they barely made a pip squeak. I think they had .006 expected goals against the Citizens. Everton's, I think you can, and there's a bunch of different reasons why. I thought they were actually decent. The expected goals weren't didn't show that the, any like they were, but I think that the numbers kind of lie a little bit. Um, they Everton made three big mistakes. They were punished in, with all three of them: one with a red card, two with goals. They also. Um, <laughs> They were set to give Nathan Patterson a uh, Scottish fullback who's been looking pretty good for Rangers and then for Scotland, his Premier League debut. He rolled his ankle and is out for a while yesterday. So he's out uh, for this match. And then Donny van de Beek was supposed to be in the center of the midfield with uh, Abdullah Decore. He gets hurt in warmups. In comes Mason Holgate. Um, and then Michael Keane gets a red card. So for this Burnley match, Everton's going to be without center backs, Yuri Mina, Michael Kane. They're going to be without fullbacks, Nathan Patterson, and likely Seamus Coleman, who missed uh, the uh, match against West Ham. They'll be without center midfielders, Alan, Fabian Delft, Andre Gomez, and Donny van de Beek, and they will be without their best uh, set piece taker. That's Andres Townsend. So two center backs, two fullbacks, four center midfielders, and a winger uh, all going to be out for this one. It's not looking good. And that's why I don't think that Frank Lampard deserves as much stick as he's been getting because the team he's inherited was already bad and it's just gotten worse through injuries. That being said, I think this number is going to get out of control on Everton because of all the things that are going. They're plus 195 right now. They were plus 180, I think, before the West Ham game. So this number is just going to continue to tick up and there's going to be no choice but to back the Toffees at two to one or better. Um all right, let me just turn it over to you right now, BJ. I still think Everton is fine. Four-point lead on Burnley. Obviously, if Burnley wins here, things change a little bit. But Everton has way too much talent to continue to play this bad. And what has Burnley shown us over the last five matches that shows that they should be able to actually t- overtake Everton? I mean, they have they have four straight losses where they haven't scored, and they've gotten pretty much dominated by Leicester, Chelsea, Brentford, and Man City. Now, I understand Everton's not to the level of those four teams, but specifically for this match, I actually kind of like the over two and a half goals at plus 125 with all the injuries, not only to Everton defensively, they're basically without their only two center backs on their entire roster, but Ben Mee and Nathan Collins are out for Burnley. So they're going to be thin at the back as well. So I think we're going to see a lot of chances actually be being created at both ends. Again, I, Everton is too talented right now. And, and if you look at the underlying metrics, it's really unfair that they're even in this point. I mean, only a mi- minus 9.6 expect a goal differential on the season, given 
all of not only all the injuries they sustained, the managerial change, just all of the crap that has happened to Everton, and they're still 14th in expected goal differential. Some positive regression has to hit them at some point. And you got to remember, I mean, they were without Dominique Calvert Lewin for a large, large stretch of the season. And Charleston has missed quite a few matches. Both those guys are finally healthy and playing with each other. Now, I understand that it hasn't been that good as of late, but as I really think Everton is fine. I, I don't think that Burnley is really going to challenge them. I understand the schedule that it's a little more difficult for Everton, but man, I mean, this is <laughs> the stakes of this match are about not as high, obviously as this weekend we're going to see between city and Liverpool. But I mean, this is, this is about it. Like if Everton wins this, I think they're safe. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's all wrapped up. I think we know who the three relegation teams are going to be. Even if Everton draws, right. Burnley, I still think they're fine. But the only way, if I was an Everton fan, the only way I would panic is if you lose to Burnley. Then it's time to panic. Then it's time to say, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? But I'm going to stand firm in saying that I think Everton is fine. I thought about it this weekend, Michael. I feel like I'm sure people have seen it out there because they won't stop playing it. The Geico commercial where the Gecko is talking to the motorcycle guys and they're like, I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. Like, Michael, I need you to hear me. Everton's going to stay up. Okay. So it's I actually weird. like over two. So I like over half, two and a half goals in this match. And I also think that Everton is fine to, to stay up in the Premier League. Weirdly, that didn't, that didn't make me feel better, um, actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's because you're a cynic. I mean, I, I could tell you anything right now, and I don't think it would really make you feel that much better. I think you've just. No, that one did. That one, I actually did. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I, th- I think the, the, the issue here is, is the numbers, um, the overall numbers for Everton are telling you the story of a team, a different team. This team is playing with four, the back four is likely going to be John Joe Kenny, Vitaly Mikolenko, uh, Mason Holgate, and Ben Godfrey. And God bless Ben Godfrey. He played a great game again. Uh, he's really been the only reliable player on the back line for the past since he's come back from injury. Um, and when your defense is this inept at everything, they don't progress the ball well, they don't defend well, that's going to make everybody everybody's job in front of them a lot harder, right? Naturally. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's got to come back deeper to get the ball. Richarlison's got to come back and help defend. It's just going to have a domino, a snowball effect um, as we go on. And I think right now we are, the, the snowball is gigantic because this has been going on for weeks. And that's why we're seeing Everton continue just to have terrible performances uh, under Frank Lampard. I will say though, that this one um, against West Ham was encouraging because it came on the road where they just haven't showed up for the past three months. At least this time against West Ham, they didn't, when they went down one nil, which I thought was against the run of play. It was a, a stupid foul by Mason Holgate right outside the box that the, um, Aaron Cresswell deposited beautifully. Like it was against the run of play. It was unlucky, whatever. Um, they, they came back and they, they, they earned their way back into the match. And then one more mistake, a turnover by Alex will be, and it's two one. Um, so that was encouraging at least, but I just think what you were saying about the numbers is, is just, it, it needs more context because of the actual roster that, Frank Lampard is going to have to put out on uh, on Wednesday. The the middle of the park. I've no, maybe he'll play Mason Holgate as a as a center midfielder again. Why can't he play Deli Alley? He could, but I, I don't know if that's <laughs> well, why. Why not? A, because then you're playing him with in a midfield too with Decore, and and I don't know. They need like a terrier to, to chase the ball down. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I, I, like, I think if if they had if they had Alan. Um, not if he's suspended, if he wasn't suspended, I think then you, you do, you put Deli Alley in, but unless like he calls up uh, uh, on Yango from the Academy to be the kind of defense, the, the protector of the back four. I don't know. I mean, I actually wouldn't hate Holgate being in that spot because I thought it was going to be Fabian Duff, but he got hurt again. Uh, but then you would be playing Jared Branthwaite. Who's got what two, two premier league games of experience with Ben Godfrey in the middle and Mason Holgate, who's not a defensive midfielder, is a defensive midfielder. So another, no matter what happens, it's going to be a mess. Um, but I still, I just think the number is going to be playable, unfortunately. Anthony? Yeah, I've got no play on this game. Uh, it's lame. Uh, I lean toward Everton slightly. Uh, I make Burnley plus 145. They're plus 160. So I actually do show a tiny bit of value on Burnley, but I have concerns about them too. We've talked enough about Everton. Let me talk about Burnley. When they signed Vegarst, naturally it is a good fit. 
to replace Chris Wood. But his shot numbers in the Bundesliga were bad. Like he was getting two and a quarter shots per 90 in the Bundesliga. He's now played 10 matches for Burnley. Do you want to guess how many shots he's gotten thus far this season? Seven. Four. 13 is the answer. So he's one, he's just over one shot a game. And they're just not, there's not enough in this team to get away with your striker getting a shot a game when, you know, Chris Wood, when he was at his best, was getting over two in the Prem and they're just not getting enough going forward. And it shows in the numbers. I mean, you mentioned it, BJ, have not scored their last four matches. They've only produced 2.6 expected goals. So yeah, you could say you're buying low here. And I, I agree. I, I would probably, uh, you know, lean toward the over just on that point of view alone. But again, even going back to the games prior to that, they put three on Brighton off of 0.7 XG. They had one against Tottenham. Their two best chances came from set pieces. Uh, and then Powell's, they had 0.2 XG. So, you know, we're going back here. They have passed one expected goal since signing Vegarst two times. Uh, and so I think there's just not a lot to like about this team. I think if you want to bet Everton, I think a, a better bet might be just Burnley to go down at minus 200. Because I agree with BJ. I think they are okay. They lose this. They're, they're probably a toss-up to get relegated, right? So you're looking at minus 200. And if Everton wins this, you've pretty much won your bet. If they draw, you're over minus 200 to win at that point. I think you're closer to minus three or 400. And then if you lose, you're probably 50-50. So I don't hate the bet if you want to bet Burnley to, to be relegated at minus 200, because I do think it's coming down to those two. And you, know, you look at Burnley, and, and we've talked about how their schedule is easier, but their easy matches are all on the road. They go to Watford, they go to Norwich. So but they host Everton. And they still have to go to Spurs So and, and West Ham. So they're... Like their easiest matches are relegation six pointers on the road against other teams who are trying to fight off relegation. I just don't really see it for this Burnley team getting out here. Yeah, Burnley, like you mentioned, Andy, over one expected goal twice in their last 16 matches, even dating back yeah. before Weghorst. So, I, I, yeah, I, I really just don't see it how Burnley's going to stay up here. I mean, it's going it, to, I honestly truly believe, Michael, it is going to take some sort of collapse of epic proportions for I mean, to go down. They've won they've won twice since December. I know. So, but did so you just hear me? That's <laughs> Burnley's a, created over one I know that's what I'm saying that, that is 16 that, matches. We, we, we're witnessing, it, it's we're it's, a, it's really is it really is a mid off as they say. Yeah and we're, Burnley's won Burnley's won twice since the beginning of November. Yeah like no it's like, like but you can say <laughs> it, it will it will take a collapse of epic proportions from Everton but they're doing it so far. Uh, they could stop it and, and they do have the luxury of which is a little dangerous that they don't need to win this match. They, they need, they need to draw no bet it basically. Right. They just need to make sure that they don't lose it. Um, they need to draw no, I wish they said that in the punditry, a, a draw, no bet would be good here for Everton. Yeah. <laughs> this but is also the match. Uh, I remember it, the Monday night football match where Everton scored three goals. And what was it like eight minutes? Yeah. Oh yeah. To win I had Everton that, day. that was back when Everton was bettable. Why yeah. don't we just, Michael, why don't we just do that again? We'll have yeah. a party and everything will be good. And we can, we can celebrate Everton staying up. We'll I did see. get a text today. Why don't you just bet against Everton every single match? And I thought it's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can at, say at that a lot. I mean, like, at hey, this we're a little low on the, we're a little Listen. low on the on the market here with 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 Everton. Yeah. I mean, they're they're dogs yeah, to Burnley. What's the we saying? Hind- road. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, why don't you bet against Norwich every single time? <laughs> why don't you bet Watford every time? But listen, that's that sounds smart. Yeah, and maybe a smart person would. We're, do not, we're that, not that smart. Yeah, I'm not. Definitely not that smart. No. Yeah, if we were smarter we wouldn't be rooting for teams that are in relegation battles after spending half a billion dollars on uh hey, their in fourth the um i also want to say one other thing too like i think a lot of people are giving are, are saying that burnley they, they've been through this before which is true but i don't i don't really know That's if i narrative crap. I, I would buy that buy into that one thing i i will say though this is nothing to do with the betting is if burnley goes down it's not a huge deal for them, like they'll, they'll yo-yo back up, I'm sure. And if everything goes down, they're screwed with their finances. So that's why I think the stakes are just so high. And I think that Everton fans um, are acting the way they are, in addition to the fact that their team has won uh, twice since December or something like that. All right. Um, on that positive note, we'll move on to our favorite bets for the Champions League, the quarterfinals, their four matches. BJ, uh, let's start with you. Yeah, I'm going to go Manchester City, Atletico Madrid, under two and a half goals at plus 110. The pace of this match is going to be incredibly slow. I expect Atletico to sit back in their 4-4-2, 
play incredibly cautious, play their two low, low blocks of four. You know, the Manchester City team, we've talked about it many times, but Pep Guardiola's side is playing back to playing their slow, pragmatic style of play. I mean, they have the lowest sequence time of anybody in the Europe's top five leagues and the lowest direct speed. And they also lead everybody in build-up play. So they are essentially just holding possession in the opponent's final third and just trying to break them down very slow with a lot of low-quality chances, which works against a lot of teams, but against a stout defensive tide like Atletico Madrid that's only allowing 0.9 XG per 90 this season, it's going to be a lot more difficult, especially with allowing Atletico to maintain that structure and not trying to exploit them with direct attacks. So I only have around 2.3 goals projected for this match. So I think we're going to see a very slow, pragmatic style from Man City and a very cautious play from Atletico Madrid. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a 1-0 Man City win or potentially a 0-0 draw. So I like under 2.5 goals at plus 110. I like Chelsea plus 115 to beat Real Madrid. Chelsea and Real Madrid, this uh, bookmakers are projecting this one to be the closest of the four Champions League quarterfinals by a long way. And I agree with that notion. And I agree with odds makers that there's really not that much separating these two teams. However, it's hard to ignore uh, the form that Chelsea was in going into their 4-1 loss to Brentford. As ugly as that match was, it was a pretty tough spot for Chelsea coming back from an international break and with Real Madrid on deck. So I'm very happy to draw a line through that and trust this Chelsea defense that in their five games leading into that loss to Brentford allowed one goal on just 3.1 expected goals. So I'm going to be back in the blues here, a team that I rarely do bet on a team that I think the three of us rarely bet on. So Chelsea plus 115, that's my favorite bet. Anthony, bring us up. Yeah, let's make it three for three on Chelsea. Uh, All of us are on the Blues here, and they're my best bet. But I'm not taking the money line. I mean, I am taking the money line. But my best bet is Chelsea to advance to the semifinals at minus 115. Chelsea did have a blip on Saturday. They lost. They gave up four goals, 2.4 expected. All that's concerning. But – We need to consider the relative performances of Chelsea in the last month versus Real Madrid. Real Madrid was very much outplayed by PSG in the first leg. They were getting dominated in the second leg until a second half collapse from PSG ensued. They were not that far away from a PSG beatdown. And then since then, they gave up 1.4 to Mallorca, expected goals. They gave up four goals to Barcelona in El Clasico in an embarrassing loss, and then needed three penalties to beat Vigo on Saturday. So I'm just not buying this Madrid team at all. I think they're very overrated. And I think Chelsea is going to have a similar beatdown of them in this match they did in the Champions League semifinals last season. Not much has changed between these two teams. I'm getting the better team who plays in the better league and who has been in better form. Give me the Blues at minus 115 to advance to the semifinals. I'm also taking Moneyline in the first leg. All right. Uh, that wraps up another episode of Wonder Goal. For BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Leboff. We will be back on Thursday morning. If Everton loses, Anthony and BJ will be back on Thursday morning, and I'll just be wandering the streets somewhere. Maybe without any clothes. or Maybe I've been arrested. I don't know. I just won't be there. But it's been a pleasure, and uh, we will see you guys Thursday morning. <laughs>